welcome to Are We Where Yet with Johnny Awesome and Tori Black. All right. Hello. Welcome to uh, Are We Where Yet? I am your host, Johnny. We have uh, Tori on the other side of the microphone. Hello. And uh, we're going to take this first episode just to kind of give a brief background and how we met and how this bo- podcast came to be. So uh, we're going to say a little bit about each other, about how I came up and how she came up. And both of us, interesting enough, it's been through music. We're both through music. And that's, I think that's originally how we met. That's th- what's awesome. Yeah. And I think it was, I had heard that somebody from Yuma was going to be on TV. I think that was the very first time I heard about you was that somebody from Yuma was going to be on LA TV. And, uh, it was your first band. Was that your first band? Yeah. I was probably before the fall. And actually I heard about you okay. way before LA TV. Okay. I definitely did. You were going around. Promoter. Johnny Awesome. Johnny. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who is Johnny Awesome? Yeah. Who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Well, a little bit of background on that. I was a promoter. I put on shows at a place called Open Aired. And that was, I don't know how long ago. It was Years ago, we did shows at a little tiny ab- abandoned uh, place in Winter Haven, California. It used to be a Chinese restaurant. Believe it or not. I had no idea. No. Have you never been nope. there? Well, no, I was there, but I had no idea it was a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, it was it was uh, Jeans. If you if you know Jeans, have you ever heard of Jeans restaurant? They mm. moved to Yuma, no. and they were on Fourth Avenue. Are they still around? Um, no, no. no. I think it's like the Living Center now. Okay. If you know where the Living Center is. Yeah, at. yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, oh, I remember now. Yeah, that's that was Jeans restaurant, but Jeans originally started in Winter Haven and a little tiny oh. little tiny place. Yeah. And the, the guy, he still owns a building. He's an a- Asian man that still owns the building. And he leases it out to my mentor. And my mentor fixes it up and gets like super cheap um, um, rate on the building. So That's, that's pretty cool. And then he's, he's the artist, right? Yeah, he's the he's artist. artist. Yeah, so that's how that started. He was, uh, so I was doing music. I was a rapper. You were a vocalist. Right. Multi-talented though. Like you did a bunch. Yeah, I would sit down, write the songs, play all the instruments. But then when I got the band together, it's a whole different world. So you were doing the writing before that? Yeah, yeah. I came from Cali, moved over to Yuma because I was doing really bad over there. And um, I just, it was MySpace actually. MySpace got me in touch with a lot of the bandmates. And then we got together and it just, it just went from there. Really? So MySpace, that's what MySpace I, days. My, MySpace was great, you know, and I had a meltdown. No joke. With my mentor, when MySpace went down, because Uh that's how I did all my promoting. It was the scariest thing for me. It was so, I I, I remember I went to my mentor and he he mocks me to this day about the meltdown I had when everybody started going to Facebook because Facebook was different. I didn't understand it. You know, I didn't like Facebook. I didn't like Facebook either. Mm -mm. I had people that were from LA and they were telling me, you got to get on Facebook. And I was like, I refuse to get on Facebook. MySpace works so well. Like I got this thing down on lock and that, but yes, is how I promote my shows. I got the, you know, the algorithm down and then sure enough, <laughs> yeah. my space is dead. Like no- that, I thought that was crazy how and it just like from one day to another, it felt like one day to another, like it was just like Facebook. That's it. And everybody was on Facebook and then I had to learn that and uh, it, t- it took me a while, but obviously I learned it and started the company media management right. that you ended up working for. But yeah. Let's go back to, um, LATV. So you're in a band, Pride Before the Fall. And how did you get that gig? Um, I remember just being on, on the website. I just, it popped up or something. I can't remember specifically, but it was just, it popped up somewhere. 
and they were like looking for bands for Battle of the Bands. And I remember telling Steven, which was, um, you know, the dude I originally hooked up with for the band. And he was like, let's do it. And then we just started doing flyers and we started to go around and promote it. And then I don't know how we ended up, but we ended up on the list to be on TV. You know, I I was doing shows and I knew a lot of the bands here in Yuma. But then I remember hearing about you're going to be on TV. And when I saw it, I was like, I've never heard a band this good in Yuma. After all the shows I put on, you guys sounded so polished how, um, how'd that come to be that was a little that that has a story of its own oh okay Do yeah you want no. to tell is that like some movie magic or what <laughs> so like when we first track? when we first started um you know steph was the original drummer but we had such a shitty drum set like the shittiest drum set like 100 hundred dollar drum set mm-hmm. we went to the studio i think his name was brian god what was his grider no yeah grider and uh, we popped in there, and he's like, wow, this is a really shitty drum set. And we're just like, yeah, we know. He was like, it's all right. I got a solution for that. And he put just, he used this plug-in, and he just put, like, he literally made that $100 piece of shit drum set sound mm-hmm. like a million dollars, like a DW drum set. And we're like, what the heck? But, I mean, the song was great, but the drums were, like, really lacking it. So, I mean, if, if anything, I got to give him the props oh, for gotcha. that. That producer really did a great job with the demo. But she still played the drums, but there was just, like, the extra layer on top of her. Yeah, that's yeah, That's the yeah. plug-in. But that's the world we live in. You know, we live in a place yeah. where, you know, if you can't sing, you auto-tune it. And, you know, and, and it's just, it's part of the... Great drummer, shitty drum set, but yeah, awesome great plug-in. drummer. See? But, th- but then it just brought her <laughs> great drumming to life, so yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I, I sent you a text a while back um, with the screenshot of me wanting to do a song with your next project, which was Tori Black. How long ago was that? That was 2011. I saw it and I was like, oh my God. 2011. I was like, one day I will do a song with Tori Black, and which is your new project, <laughs> what you're working on now, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh God, has it been that long? Because you've been asking me and I was like, oh, I felt so bad. I was like, oh shit, I really got to really collab with, with John. It's 2018, girl. 2018, <laughs> we still haven't done a song together. Yeah, let's put that out. Okay. Let's put that on that, that, That's in the universe. Yeah. Well, um, so anyway, I was, I was a rapper. and um, How did you get started with that? So I was a rapper and the best outlet I had was just going up to people that I thought looked like rappers. And said, hey, do you rap? <laughs> you know, like, and, and not to be racist, but I was going to say that. It's a little racist. But typically, hey, dude, it'd be you like, look like a rapper. Yeah, it'd be like black people, right? I'd go up to, you know, at the fair and, uh, and, uh, and I was like, let's battle. You know, I was like 16 years old, 15, 16. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I was just into this whole thing and I, I knew how to battle rap. I could freestyle. That was my, my uh, passion. Well, um, that was my only outlet. And I do that for years. I'd just go up to people and, uh, then I, I got with uh, my brother-in-law, Citizen Aim, rest in peace. Uh, he was a DJ. He was a DJ, and I would go to his house, and he would put records on, and I would just rap over the records. He was, a, you know, he had a bunch of instrumentals from groups like Atmosphere and um, Aesop Rock and Brother Ali and a bunch of underground hip-hop uh, that, that was good, Living Legends around that time. And um, we developed a good relationship, and he said, you know what, I'm going to try to make beats. So he got a program called Acid. I don't know if you remember Acid. Yeah, Back in the day. Yeah, that was the first program he had. He got Acid. And uh, he started to make these beats that were totally, like, chaotic and, like, no no timing whatsoever, you know. (laughs) 
And I was like, yeah, I, I, I think there's supposed to be like a time signature. We need a to metronome these. in here. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> like there, there's something like I heard, a, I heard somebody talking about 4-4 four, four sometimes, you know, like maybe we should do that. He's like, just rap to it. <laughs> it's, it's the first beat. It's freestyle. Yeah, just, just do it. And I was like, I'm going to try. And uh, anyway, he ended up getting a lot better and uh, growing. And that after we met a guy from uh, Long Beach, he, he uh, kind of took us under his wing. His name's uh, Ah Thomas. And uh, he kind of showed us the ropes and how to do everything. Well, we, we, we got that down. We got the music down. But we still didn't have an outlet except for his bedroom. You All know? right. And that was it. And I, I knew a bunch of people in, in the industry. And uh, what we needed to do was have an outlet. So what I did was go to a place called Java Oasis, which was a little coffee oh, shop. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Memories. Yeah. So I, I went there and I got, I got all um, these, we had a little crew called Cerebral Arts back in the day. Oh, I remember that too. Yeah. Cerebral Arts was the name of the crew. It's there all was, coming back. There was a bunch of us. It was, it was a big collective. We're like the, the Yuma Wu-Tang clan. It was people from all over. We got together and um, we, we, we did recorded music. We had the recording down. We did all that. But I said, look, I said, we need an outlet. We need to be able to perform. But I don't think people are just going to be like, hey, let's get these guys up and, and perform. We need to do something that's more inclusive, something that everybody can vibe to. And so what I started was I, I, I said, look, I told uh, this guy, Mike Titan, his, Charles, I think back then he was going by uh, Supernatural, but... Uh, he got, uh, he's a Native American, so he would get these checks with a lot of money at certain times. You right, know? right. And, and uh, I said, look, I said, if you invest in the, uh, in, in the uh, gear, I will go to Java Oasis and I will ask them to use their building. You invest in the gear, I will have this and we'll all have an outlet. And he said, it's not going to work. Everybody's like, you're crazy. They're, you know, they're, they're, it's not going to work. They're not going to let us in. We all look like thugs and yeah, like, yeah. you know. Um, street kids and sure enough i went in i said look i said to the owner i said look if i double your business what do we normally make on a friday night she said you know x y and z i usually make this i said if i double your business on a friday night can i use this building as my venue every other friday night for something i want to do a little project i want to do called open air and she said, if you double my business, for sure, you know, that's a, that's a no-brainer. You can have it. I said, okay. So then um, went to MySpace, started promoting. Uh, Citizen AIM did our first flyer. I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty terrible, like the first original beats. <laughs> but he was a creative guy, so he said, yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to do a flyer. And um, announced it. And the reason why it's called Open Aired, because I was like, air it out. It was open air, just like it's open space. Oh, so you came up with the name. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Open air is just like air it out. Whatever you want to say. I don't care if you're, you know, um, an atheist, a communist, you know, a Muslim, a Christian. It doesn't matter. Get up there and just say your peace. And that was our tagline is speak your peace. So um, it was an open mic. And the first open mic we did, it was cool. We had like teachers come in doing acoustic guitar sessions. We had this nihilistic... Uh, uh, philosopher come in and do so poetry. it wasn't just it wasn't just hip-hop no it wasn't just you had hip-hop. a mixture of stuff it was a, it was a huge and that's what i wanted was a mixture Got and, it. and and the rule was is that no matter what you clap at the end for for whoever does whatever piece that was the you know and we had people like we had to move in all the chairs out of this little coffee shop we did it on a saturday night had to move all the chairs out of the way and uh people were just sitting on the floor it was very hippie-ish 
which is, I dig, you know what I mean? People right. had their shoes off too, the whole thing, just sipping coffee, sitting down and, um, you know, just do a little clap afterwards. Somebody would go up and do a little spoken word piece, do whatever. And then it was like, okay, now at the end, it's kind of our time. We can go up there and do a couple songs. I didn't want it to make it about us, yeah. but I wanted to be able to have a time for us as well. So I ended up meeting a bunch of people. I mean, so many different artists, creative people. That's so weird. I wonder if when we played there, if you were, if whoever, I think maybe, I think it was Steven who hooked up that gig, but I don't even remember if that was through you or if that was directly through Java, but I know we, we played there like Did once. You? We played there before it like closed down. Yeah. See then. See, Which that's what sucked. So then what happened was, is that, um, as it grew, we went from open mics to throwing actual shows. We started to do actual shows where there would be a headline band, and right. um, we got really into the screamo hardcore phase. Right. And so, um, if you know anything about those guys, they, they like to punch <laughs> people. They like to punch walls. They're very angry. Right. They got a lot of aggression. Oh, I know. And so, and on Java Oasis, they had a bunch of artwork up, you know. And so it was kind of like it came to a point after, like you know, almost you know eight months she was kind of like yeah the artwork keeps falling off the wall and there's holes here and you're gonna have to move on right yeah and it, it was it was it was kind of sad but i think somebody else took it over after i left like people did it could have been steven or whatever there was right. people that like oh this is a great thing and so there was other shows there after i was gone yeah maybe that's what happened yeah and, and for a while we were homeless we were going from place to place trying to little venues and uh, what happened was to get to the place in Winter Haven, um, by then we created a name for ourselves and we started getting gigs in Phoenix and San Diego and stuff like that. And so uh, we got a gig in Phoenix with this uh, a rapper named Soul from a group called Anticon, which I absolutely loved. He's uh, one of my favorite artists. And we went up there and when we walked in, it was like, this is a, this is an art gallery. Like, we're performing in a legit art gallery in Phoenix. Right. And uh, our music was a little bit more um, aggressive. It was a little bit more uh, hardcore, I guess you would say, for hip-hop. Did you guys ever record that stuff? Yeah, we have it. Like, I was actually, me and my brother-in-law were going through it yesterday. We're going, we're just like, we need to release some of this stuff. Like, Yeah, because I, I don't think, I want to hear, yeah. I want to hear John from right? the past. You know, we were going through it, and, and uh, my brother-in-law, actually yesterday, he said, hey, we should, uh, we should release some of this for Citizen Names, uh, like a reunion, uh, not a reunion, but an anniversary of his oh, death. Yeah. You know, release a lot of this underground, the stuff that nobody's ever heard. So yeah. we're, we're probably going to do that. But, uh, so yeah, we get to Phoenix. And we're this group of like b-boys and taggers and and this and that. And we're at an art gallery, and we're kind of <laughs> like, uh, okay, How, um, was it fancy? It was really nice. It was mm -hmm. really nice, you know. And so, uh, we, I talked to the guy Soul. Like, I, I don't know if we're gonna fit in here, man. Like, you know, our music is this and that. He's like, it's all good, man. Don't even worry about it. And so we do the show. Great. The people loved us, and they were like hipsters, you know, the, the, the early yeah. version of hipster, hipsters back then. And uh, they clapped, and they liked us, and they liked our music. And I was like, oh, this was a great experience. So then what I did was when I came back, like I said, we were homeless. As far as venue, I went to um, my mentor, who's been my mentor since I was 16, on and off. Yeah. I said, hey, you know, I did a show at an art gallery in Phoenix. You have this art gallery in Winter Haven. Do you think we could work something out that we could uh, perform there? 
and uh, I could use this as a venue. And uh, we ended up working it out, details. And the details was, like, I had to stay there until the show was over and clean up. And, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I was responsible. I, w- I would leave there at 2 in the morning and then go to work at 5 in the morning, you know. It was yeah. it was like, it was pretty brutal, but I was doing what I love to do. Yeah. So we ended up doing a lot of shows there, and that's how um, we moved to Winter Haven. And actually, we were written about, like, in a European magazine as one of the best places to stop on tour. Nice. Yeah, because so what, what I developed in, it was at Java Oasis. I knew I had to. Um, I knew I had to double the money, so right. I was the MC. So I would say, "Hey, make sure you go buy a drink, get a drink, support this business, go go get it." And so people would do that. They would listen and they would go support. Right. And sure enough, at the end uh, that uh, the till, I looked at it and they doubled the business. Right. So I do the same thing for the artists. Anytime an artist come in, make sure you buy the merch, get the T-shirts, get the CDs. Get, get their stickers, whatever you have um, on their merch table, whatever you see there, go buy it. Right. And so Yuma didn't have anything like this, so these kids were eating <laughs> it up. Yeah. And so all these artists would come through, and there was like, man, I sold out all my merch in Yuma before I got to San Diego. Oh, so, that sucks. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's good, but it's it good, sucks. yeah. But so then, so then, what they did was, it's like, so, so they started telling their friends, so <laughs> make sure you bring more merch, and you want to stop in Yuma. So it started to spread, and people were left and right calling me, come to Yuma, come to Yuma. And one of my uh, big stories on that was uh, Macklemore. Yeah, Macklemore. Yeah, Macklemore wanted to come to Yuma, and uh, I got a little demo, and it was no joke. It was a CD, and it had uh, his name written on it with a Sharpie, you know, and it's like, "Mm, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. I said that. Look at me, Rigo. Do you know who Macklemore is, Rigo? We got Rigo over here. He's, he's an audio engineer. Um, I, I said that, no joke. You're I, said, dick. I, I, I know, right? Just I, kidding. I turned down, <laughs> I turned down Macklemore. And then, then later on, like he's blowing up, he's everywhere. Right. And I was like, I still have the CD, the little demo CD. You, you do? Yeah, I still have that little demo CD. Are you going to sell it on eBay? That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, I should. You know? <laughs> I ended up, um, uh, Ryan Lewis is somebody that Macklemore did stuff with. I got him down. He came through Yuma and he played a place called Shots. It was a little club. But Macklemore never came down. So I was kind of like, I can't believe that, that I passed on Macklemore. But anyway. Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I guess, I guess not. So that's a cool story though for a yeah. podcast, right? That's Definitely. A, yeah. It's like I mean, Macklemore and Yuma. Yeah, it could have been and then never had. No, it didn't happen. Because of John. Yeah, because of me. But anyway, <laughs> so that's how we got to on and on. And uh, I ended up doing open air up until uh, my brother-in-law, citizen named CJ Walk. Uh, he had cystic fibrosis. He got really sick. And he couldn't do it anymore. And it just started to become a, a, a problem and uh, a burden more than it was anything else. And uh, by that time, Jeff, I don't know if you know Jeff, but Jeff Yuma. Oh, he yeah, yeah, by, yeah, He started yeah. doing shows. So. Metal hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, he yes. kind of took it over and then took it to other places, but we had to retire that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him. I got closer to him when I opened my own music venue. Yeah, so you had a music venue. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yours was on Fourth Avenue and like First or something. Yeah, I don't even know what that plaza is called. I just remember having an idea because we kept playing at parks. I was tired of it. I was like, no, we need a better place to play. And then I didn't want. I personally didn't want to play at bars all the time, you know, because um, I was underage at the time and I just didn't like the feeling. I think we played at. Fat Harvey's, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't do this no more. You didn't I just, like it. I didn't like it. I didn't. I don't like the the bar 
at that time. I didn't mm-hmm. like because I was underage and I couldn't. Obviously, you can't you drink. Can't drink. You can't, yeah, like, everyone's on you, and they're like, you need wristbands, and the, you got to like split it in half, and underage goes on one side. Da da da. So, um, just one day, just me and Steph were like, let's just open a music venue, and we. I mean, I had no fucking money. I had no mm-hmm. money whatsoever, but I just had this idea, and I was like, "All right, fuck it, let's let's ask people, let's see if we can get some money to come through for this." And I remember Steph; she's a kind person. She went in and she got a like a title loan for I think her car or something. Are we you bought, serious? Yeah, we bought speakers with that and the mixer, and then and then we had a couple people like loan us stuff and let us borrow things, and then finally I got through with one of my um, one of my brothers on my dad's side. And I asked him, hey, you know, I need, you know, I just need some money up front for, you know, to start this music venue. And he was totally for it. And he's like, all right, I'll send you the money. And that's how we did Modern Cultures. Um, And then we ended up opening it. It only stayed open for six months because it was a pain in the butt. And I know you probably know about this. It's freaking hard. It's It's hard. Promoting shows, it's very, it's very hard, especially during the summer when all those kids go back to school right Mm -hmm. at that time, because that was kind of like our niche in our market. So... A lot of them were going back to school, so they didn't want to come out anymore. And so by like the sixth month, we were like, we're done. So we're that's done. how long it was open, about six yeah, months? About yeah. six months. But that's how I met Jeff Yuma, because he would come through, do his metal shows. He was always like um really cool dude, though. You know, mm-hmm. did what you did. I told him, hey, pick up your shit after you're done. You know, I remember he brought in some band. Guy was like probably on some heroin or something. It was crazy. Really? He, yeah, it was crazy. And he came through and he tagged up the walls on the, in this plaza. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get freaking kicked out. And I think it was barely like the very beginning stages of modern cultures. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was crazy. But Jeff was nice enough to paint over it and he took care of it or oh, whatever. He was a good guy. He's I love Jeff. Good, good guy. I really liked um, working with him. But then I had the punkers and... I'm not going to say anything bad about them, but oh, that was really? so hard you want to, to deal with. The punks. Yeah. No, I, I gave them a place, you know, to come play their shows. And let's just say they weren't nice. They were not nice. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they were a little more. They tend to rebel against yeah, everything. Yeah. 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 Everything. Even like the good things that they get in their life. They're like, oh, we rebel against this, even though yeah. it's great, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you fucking assholes. Like, yeah. I give you a place to play. And here you are, like, being dicks. Yeah. It was bad. It was real bad. But other than that, I mean... It was a good six months. I learned a lot. It was my first business, real business. That's great. I, I went to a couple shows there. I don't remember who played, but I did go to a couple shows there. I did have some hip-hop shows. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure. I just booked them. I was like, sure, let's did do it. Did you have Minus there? Did you, you remember a guy named Minus? Or maybe it was that? Probably. I think you did. I think you had a yeah, guy yeah. named Minus there so, yeah, yeah. at some point. And I think I saw him there for the first time. He was from Summerton, and I don't mm-hmm. know how it got hooked up. He ended up going to L.A., got pretty kind of hooked up with the underground hip hop and then moved out. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Talking about the punk rockers. So we had, uh, <laughs> continuing on, on the, on the punk rock thing. So uh, for a little while we had a recording studio, like a full fledged recording studio with a drum room and like a guitar room. And like, it, it was huge for Yuma. And, uh, we had a punk rock band in and we had the most problems with the punk rock band. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the drummer was on heroin at the time and he kept falling over out of his seat and he was drooling the whole time he was literally drooling he could still yeah keep they have that they drool he was drooling and then he would fall over and they would have to go pick him back up and it's like dude get back up you know like you you, you came here to drum you know you booked this time and he'd get back up for a little while and then start playing for a little you know and then fall over and it's just like oh this is going to be forever yeah yeah so 
that's I, how we knew he he was on heroin. He was drooling. Yeah. He was like falling everywhere. You can just tell. Yeah, it was it's, it was bad. Horrible. Well, I guess that, is that good enough? That's an introduction. Of a little yeah. Bit. Yeah. And later, then later, um, you got into graphic design. Right. While I'm, you were doing it, you were doing graphic design. Yeah, I think I'm where I'm at with marketing and graphic design and and even fitness. I'm where I'm at because of music. Because me too. Honestly. That was the connection to everything. It's weird how it all interconnected and became what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's... No, can yeah. Can you relate to that? I, like how music kind of like... 100%. That's the reason. That's the drive. That's why I learned these things. That's yeah. why I learned how to um, deal with people, how to mar- do marketing, like what they wanted, what they didn't want, stuff like that. So that kind yeah. of birthed, like maybe I could do this for a living, you know, and then that's what I ended up doing. I remember I was working at Lowe's at the time and i was like you know what i'm pretty good at this stuff with my i mean facebook at that time and uh i wonder if i can help businesses with it so then i ended up helping some businesses with it and i was like if i could make some money i just saw the secret at that point i watched the, the secret i watched the secret that changed my life too right and so Funny. i watched the secret and uh, i said you know what if i put these things in a in a, in a motion i can start my own business and sure enough everything i had a whiteboard we had a whiteboard, me and my business partner at the time, and then we yeah. wrote down everything we wanted, all the clients we wanted in this business, and it all came to fruition, like everything on the board. It was crazy. One of the things on the board was to hire you, and that was a fun experience. You, that's how you got me. Then that, because... Uh, God, I, I knew you did voodoo on me. We, yeah, we were talking. <laughs> we were talking a little bit before we started the podcast. Um, by the time we were in our second building, I have two memories. One memory was the... Um, owner of the building shoving a little memo thing under our door saying stop parking in my parking spot you jerks and the other memory was me on a computer begging you to meet and you're like no we're just exchanged through emails yeah yeah i was i was pretty bad back in the day so what do you mean by pretty bad what would you say i had a lot of anxiety i suffered from anxiety a lot so at that point so when i'm like because i i don't know if you had your website up there but i knew you were doing work and you did excellent work Better yeah, work. I was freelancing at the time. Yeah, you did better work than anybody else I knew at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I got to get this girl to work with me because it's like th- she's producing stuff that is better than all these other people that are coming in and wanting a job. And uh, I just remembered it was like, yeah, there's through email and that's it. You wouldn't come in. You wouldn't meet with me. It was just like mm-hmm. maybe it's like, okay, you can go to this place and drop it off in, in this location. I'll pick it up in 30 minutes. And it was yeah. like secret yeah, yeah, kind yeah. I would, I would like do the runaround. So, um, and then I guess this will get into actually what the podcast is about. Now we're get, kind of diving a little bit deeper, but you've blossomed since then. Yeah. I, I, if there's any other Definitely. Word. Yeah, yeah. I became, um, actually it was kind of funny because I was writing down like my notes for for this podcast and I was like, when the hell did I become spiritual? Like, when did that happen? Because I think spirituality really changed the game for me that was in, my, a, in my mind. That was the key to that unlock was the key. This, Yeah. Uh, beauty that was within you right and then you mentioned the secret and the secret was actually the beginning of that because i was totally like atheist at the beginning Mm -hmm. catholic and then went atheist and then i was like i don't know what the hell i am anymore and then that's when i had my anxiety my depression and then i watched the secret and then from there i just i went to um, yuma center for spiritual living and then um, my anxiety got worse around that time because my dad had his first heart attack so that gave me a lot of panic attacks and stuff like that. And so, I don't know. I just felt like spirituality just came at me. 
Did you get, oh, that really? Time. And I think it was like 2014, 2015, around that time. And um, yeah, I just started to learn all this cool knowledge and just about the universe and just, I don't know, it just sparked in me and it changed my view on just life and just in me. And so your anxiety started to go down a little bit. And yeah. Yeah. I started meditating. My anxiety went away completely. Oh, so you started meditating. How long yeah, ago? Yeah. yeah. I think it was when I started going to the center. So that was like 2015, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I started meditating and integrating that. And I mean, that changed my life, I think. You know, it, it is definitely life-changing, you know, and for full disclosure, you ended up, did, you you worked with me at Media Management, right. we worked together, mm -hmm. and then... Uh, I ended up working for you, because you put me on your vision board. Yep, yep, and then we got no Rigo, Rigo worked over there too, you know. <laughs> I know Rigo was on the vision board too, yeah. right? Yeah, it's crazy, no joke, it's like, <laughs> like, like, so the same way I put together this, uh, this uh, Yuma Wu-Tang, like I wanted to put together this crew of uh, this great um, artist right. in media management. And it came to be. It was crazy. It really came to be. And I've known Rigo um, since we were kids and since uh, McGraw. We went to the same elementary school together. So That's so cool. It's really cool. And then Rigo, um, he's over here recording and, and doing the video that we'll put out one day, possibly. But, one day. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he was doing uh, music videos for a lot of the people in the hip-hop community oh, that's and cool. uh yeah so it, it was like man if we get all these people together we'll have a great unit you know yeah, of these yeah. people that are able to produce something that doesn't look like it's from yuma and that's what we did for media management until you know everything blew up but well to be honest the main reason why i think the last time you asked me and i said yeah because I went on your website and I was like, holy shit, John's media management, John's uh -huh. company is like blowing up. I saw like your whole, I saw your team page and I was like, their website's nice. I was like, okay, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I saw how much you grew. So, and then I don't know if that was like a good thing or a bad thing, but you grew really fast. You know, and then I, I think, and going back to what this podcast is going to be about, that's perfect because I did grow and I was trying to get someplace. Right. And I was trying to be successful. I was trying to be something. And that's when I came up with, you know, um, being something other than myself. Like Johnny Awesome had to be this guy, had to be this type of person. And that actually, because, okay, so a little bit of background. Before that, I was going to be a Pentecostal preacher, like dead serious. I was going to be a pastor in a Pentecostal church. What's Pentecostal? Um, they speak in tongues. If you know anything about speaking in tongues, mm -mm. if you ever heard of that, mm -mm. there's like speaking in tongues. And that's also a little bit of background with Rigo. His uh, family went to the same church. And actually, Gabe, who worked with us, who is Rigo's, anyway. Um, <laughs> there's a connection. There's a huge Religious connection. connection. It's crazy. But um, I was going to be a preacher. I was groomed to, to become a preacher for a number of years at this uh, church that's very cultish, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, because I was a kid kind of coming off the streets on drugs when I got into the church. And it's like there's like a regiment and a program and then you become a preacher and they send you out. And uh, I ended up getting really disillusioned with that and, yeah. and, and uh, falling away from that. And then the secret led me back into spirituality. Right. And uh, which was great, which was really great. But it only, I think, let me into one dimension of it because it mm -hmm. was what can I acquire? So whatever I wanted to acquire, I got it because I was like a magician with the secret. Like I would put something on my vision board and I swear it would come. I mean, 
who I wanted to meet, what businesses I wanted to work with, like all these different things where I wanted to travel. We got a client in, L- in Vegas, flew us to Vegas and all, you know, all these different things. And, uh, yeah. but I was just eating it all myself. There was no law of, re- you know, uh, I forget the, the law, but no giving, there was no law of giving there. Was, right. I would never, it would just consume. It was all ego, me, it me, was me, ego, me, 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 me. And so that's when my anxiety grew and got bigger and bigger. And then, then where I was doing shows in nightclubs and I was constantly out and then until my life kind of blew up. I mean, boom, I lost everything. I was homeless. I had a skateboard and yeah. I would sleep on a couch and I would skate all the way from Okie Town, um, all the way to downtown to where my mentor was like every day just to listen to him, just listen to him talk. And I couldn't understand a lot of things he was saying. It was like going to, you know, a Zen monk and he would say these sayings like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Like, I can't relate because I was so in my head. Right. And so he's like, just listen, you just need to hear me say these things. Just let me say them. Now I get them, which is crazy. Yeah. I thank God I kept going. And um, I kept going, I kept going. And then about a year and a half ago is when I learned meditation. And like you said, completely changed my life. Meditation. It does. It changes your life for sure. Completely changed my life to where I was, uh, that anxiety's gone. And I think you even mentioned it because you saw how anxious I was. Oh, yeah. I remember, John. I remember I'd look out the window and you'd be like pacing back and forth and you'd be on the phone. And I'm like, I'd look at Janet and be like, which is, you know, John's wife. I look at Janet and I'm like, wow, he's like out there just hustling. But looking back, that wasn't you hustling. That was you like fucking breaking down. Destroying myself. Stress, right? Yeah. Just stressed out. and Anxiety anxiety of how am I going to keep all this up and how am I going to keep going? And, uh, it was the full weight of my ego because I thought I could do anything and I knew I could do anything, but then to keep it going and keep growing, you feel that weight, that weight is just beating on you, you know, and, uh, it it ended up uh, blowing up. But then I remember when I lost everything at the moment, I lost everything. I felt great. It took a while, maybe like a couple weeks after crying and, you know, this and that, then they just kind of like, wow, I don't, I don't feel that stress anymore. I don't, mm-hmm. that anxiety has gone. Like I don't have those things. I have a, a, literally to my name was a skateboard and I slept on my parents' couch, but I felt free. I felt this freedom that was, it was undescribable. And, um, and that's what I ended up building off of. And I learned about more laws than just the law of attraction. And I learned about, um, uh, the Tao, which really helped change my life. Mm-hmm. You know, be, uh, I would say, you know, uh, I'm more of a Taoist than anything, which is just a philosophy. It's not a religion and um, kind of growing through that. And so um, this podcast is going to be an outlet for that. And we want to talk to people about where are they trying to go? Because that's where I was trying to go at one point. Right. I was trying to be the success. I wanted to be this name. You know, I was doing radio at that time. I was doing TV. I was doing a lot of those things. And it's, I thought that's where I would wanted to be. But when I got there, I still felt empty. Right. It didn't feel that void. It didn't feel, um, that hunger that I had. And now through meditation, and just me being me, it's filled, which is weird. Right. Because it's like nothingness. Right. And then and in nothingness, there's everything. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, so that's why we wanted to start this podcast. And it's Are We Where Yet? So we're going to be interviewing Are people. Are we where yet? Are we where? So where is the there that you're trying to get? So I just want to talk to people that may be still in that struggle of trying to get somewhere, like trying to prove themselves or 
and there's no judgment on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to, I'm, I'm curious, you know, like one of the theirs or one of the wares I wanted to get today was here to do this podcast. So uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I just want to know, you know, where is it at that they're trying to get? Right. Yeah. And, and I loved your idea. Oh, you, you By did the it. way, it was John, the mastermind for where, where are you going? Yeah. Well, you know, it was just like you challenged me. You kind of said, well, you were doing videos. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. started these videos. Do you want to tell people where they can see your videos? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I started videos uh, for my Tory Black project. They're called Tory's Thoughts. So it's just me just speaking about random spiritual stuff. I try to keep it spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, and um, once in a while talk about music, I guess. But um, yeah, you can check me out on YouTube. Um but I recommend going through Facebook and my website, probably. So, ToriBLK.com. Tori, no, I'm sorry. ToriBLKMusic.com. Okay. And then Facebook, the same thing, slash ToriBLKMusic. And they can find your videos. Yeah, on YouTube. So, they'll find it on the website. It's just because my YouTube doesn't have a link yet. Mm-hmm. It has random numbers because I need certain subscribers and stuff. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, definitely just go to go on the website. Yeah. Yeah, so then we started to work together again on projects. I'm starting mm-hmm. my company again, and uh, um, you ended up putting the videos up, and I was just like, oh, my God, these are amazing. These are beautiful, and I loved them. And uh, mm-hmm. we had uh, met for coffee, and we said, how about be doing a podcast? You're like, I want to do a podcast. Yeah, I've been wanting to do a freaking podcast. That's why when you, you brought it up, I was like, let's do it. Yeah, you, you did that. So then I went to um, uh, work the next day, or a few days after that, and I just drew it all out. And it was almost like, uh, it felt like automatic writing. Like I wasn't me writing these ideas down and these things just were coming. It was, I mean, it was a trip. Mm -hmm. So I have like pages and pages of notes of guests I want to get on and this creation that kind of just came through me to develop this. And that name came, are we where yet? Are we where, like, where are you trying to go? And so uh, we're going to interview a bunch of different people through uh, art and technology, um, music. Uh, I want to eventually get the mayor of our city on, who is a deacon, who actually um, has helped me through spiritual things, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's had a lot of good wisdom and and advice for me through through, uh, some rough times. And uh, you have some uh, fitness. You're big into fitness. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to try to bring some some CrossFitters in and... Um, and even some spiritual people. Yeah. Um, so you probably know people at the spiritual center, maybe, mm-hmm. um, Darren, Darren, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. think he would come on? Definitely. I think he would. I mean, he has a busy schedule, but we can probably get him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get a bunch of people on and just find out where they're trying to get. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, I'll just say this real quick. Uh, we had an interesting conversation, me and my wife last night. I, uh, I, I, I said, she wanted to watch some um, TV, some shows. I said, let's compromise. You watch something I want to watch, <laughs> and then I'll watch something you want to watch. Oh. You know, and uh, I wanted to watch some old um, 70s video of Alan Watts sitting like Buddhist style, and it's like some cheesy video. I mean, it's horrible. Right. Like the camera's come constantly going in and out of focus, and you know, Alan Watts is giving a lecture for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and it's about death. Did and- she fall asleep? No, she actually asked, she asked questions. Oh, okay. I'm like, uh, she probably fell asleep. She asked questions and I was like, this is cool. And, uh, we just kind of had an idea. Like, um, she was raised in the church that uh, I became a part of. She was like born in the church. She was like from like day zero. So all she's ever known is this Pentecostal theology of how the world works. And, uh, we talked a little bit about heaven 
And to her, heaven is a place over there. You go when you die. Right. You know, and then to me, heaven's a place here on earth that you go at any time you want to. Right. So. Right. We'll talk a little bit more about that in future episodes. And you could tell me how your, what your views are and we'll kind of develop and dive into those mm-hmm. as we talk to our guests and uh, kind of get what their meaning is, their quest or, or what drives them. Right. Whether it's, you know, uh, CrossFit and you want to be in this competition and you want to compete at an excellent level, which I think is great. Right. I mean, these athletes are crazy. You know, I am like definitely, fit. I'm not one of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's going to be interesting interviewing them. I'll kind of let you handle that a little bit more. I tried to be one of them. No, you do good. I tried. I've seen you with a, a kettlebell. I think that's what it's called. Kettlebells and still maces. I kind yeah. of got away from CrossFit for a while because I got an injury, but I've been doing kettlebells and still maces and going to the gym still. You can't stop working out. Uh, um, I, I, have a, um, I have a life coach that uh, well, actually, we, you know, we're doing some trade. We did some of the work and you did some work for him, Joshua Schaubach. And mm-hmm. uh, he, has, uh, he has goals for me. So the first goal is to come into my... Um, my true calling. We, we de- we've established my true calling, which is number one. And he's going to help me develop and grow into that. Calling number two, I mean, like the second thing is fitness, which Good. is like, oh, God. Good. It's like, it's horrible. He's like, <laughs> so I had a call with him like two days ago. He's like, did you go to the gym? And I, I just kind of my, hang my head down like, no, I, I didn't go to the gym. Do you have a gym membership, John? I, I do. And Where he, at? Snap Fitness. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he owns the gym, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so he kinda, He's like, get to my he, gym. He hooked you up and everything. So he owns the gym, and he's like, and he knows if I go or not, because he gets yeah. like the card reader, you know? So he's kind of like, did you go? And I can't lie to him. <laughs> and so, so I actually, like, I have to go five times between the next time we talk, and which is in two weeks. So I have to go to the yeah. gym, promised him five times. So, um, Please do so. You're, yeah. I, I, not, I'm not saying because you're fat or no. anything. It's just so you can get healthy and fit. I ne- it's I good for to. you. I need to. And uh, I switched to teas, drinking teas, and we got teas here and, uh, instead of I coffee. know, and it's bomb. Do you bomb. Like, I, made, I made you a tea. Do you like it? <laughs> Alma yeah, liked it? Oh, yeah. Alma loved it. Our so, mic checker. She didn't really check the mics, no, but we'll get her to next time. time. I'm, I'm sitting over here. She's doing our um, logo. Yep. Yep. And she's also my business partner at my, you know, my thing creative too. Um, amazing. Sweetest girl you've mm-hmm. ever met. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Quiet. Quiet. She was there for our meeting about the podcast. And I think I remember she got the, um, the wrong drink. <laughs> you know, she got the wrong drink. And then it's, yeah. we were, we we're kind of like, we'll go exchange it. She's like, no, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> no, we're live. And then yeah. there's me. I'm like, go. Exchange the drink now. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, do you do you like the drink, Alma? No, no, it tastes like shit. <laughs> so then, go, go exchange it. Yeah, that's really. Yeah, like, uh, okay, I, that was. I should. And maybe. Yeah, and she did it, which is great. That's what so. she meant to say. Yeah, exactly. But she, was like, she didn't say it's that. It's okay, I yeah. guess. I'm yeah. like, go exchange it, please. You know, I, I just see like she wants to vomit, you know, the whole time. And she's trying to suck <laughs> she's this like, down. She's like, milk, milk. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll get her on one day, which would be great. And um, That would be great. So cool. I think we kind of went a good amount of time and we'll kind of wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And I think the first guest will be Alan Pruitt which is uh, he's into technology and fitness. So we'll be talking about a little bit both. He's working on a project for Google right now, Google's new watch, and he had to inject a microchip into his side, so it's cool. I thought that was insane. I thought that was like, um, what do they call it? It's not artificial intelligence. It's um, 
Well, there is a little bit of an artificial intelligence on the other side yeah. of it because he this chip talks to a robot, not a robot, but to this um, uh, artificial intelligence. And this artificial intelligence is going to tell you, like, you know, your blood pressure, your, you know, you didn't sleep well last night. Maybe you should start the day off by walking a couple miles. So you're actually going to have a, a, a artificial intelligence talk to you about your health. Now, if they do release it, you're not going to, or is it? It's not going to be injectable. It's going to be on the watch. No, it'll be on the watch. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I want to inject. <laughs> you want to be injected? <laughs> so maybe he can hook you up with Google. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, maybe he can. He got hooked up, and hmm. his brother actually does some testing for somebody else. I forget who he told me. His brother actually does texting, and uh, they pay him with these little cool Visa gift cards. Google just sends them all the time to do these testing, signs up for it. So we'll talk to huh, Alan Pruitt next time and uh, got future guests, uh, people, numerology, sacred geometry. Right. Um, so um, the, the woman that taught me meditation, Sherry Magdaleno, I know you went to oh, one of her yeah, meditation yeah, yeah. sessions. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's, she's cool. great. I could, I swear, like when I was done, she was like, are you okay? Like, dang, she's, she's like connecting with me at another level i was like she feels my vibrations she, i know it and i just like turned away i'm like yeah, i'm good isn't it weird yep that to know that she can feel it so it's kind of like yeah exactly what what you and then we've yeah. had a, a pretty i had like a one-on-one session with her which is a, a pretty crazy one where you lay down and you do this breathing called pranayama and uh in her house like on a blanket on the floor so it was pretty intimate and it was like a, a, a I was vibrating, and we'll talk about a little bit more <laughs> about that. Vibrating. Oh, it was nuts! I felt You're like I was going to blast off into the universe. I, they, they, she gives you rocks. You have these two rocks that you hold in your hands, and they're kind of like to keep you grounded. And thank God I had those rocks, or I mean, I would I wouldn't be here today. I'd be in like the fifth heaven right now. <laughs> was it creepy, scary, or what? <laughs> no, it was the it's a great. So the cool thing about it, it's like so you're doing this breathing and you're vibrating, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, she kind of brings you out of it after like so many minutes. And then she's like, okay, now return to normal breathing. And I'm like, okay, it's done. No, no, that's when it starts. Oh, I mean, no. it started at that point. And you start convulsing and like you just let all this like tension that's been building up. And like sometimes you'll cry. So I've done it like Sounds three like the times. Exorcist. Sounds like you're like, like just yeah. twisting your body and like. Oh, you'll twist. And like you won't even physically twist. Like you won't try you- to do it. You're not mentally telling yourself to do it. Your body's just like like does these convulsions but you're so releasing strange. you're releasing these things and I, i'm probably not doing a good job of selling her business right now <laughs> yeah, people are like i'm never signing up for that but it was a tremendous release no no that stuff works though oh great i've I heard mean, i've heard stuff like that I, i'm surprised it's not like related to kundalini it sounds kind of like kundalini she teaches that too she, oh, okay. she, she teaches a lot of stuff so we'll have her we'll have my mentor on there who's a, a currently a pastor of a church which is like I, I like to explain to people it's not really like a church it's like xavier from x-men and we're like uh mutants and he teaches <laughs> us how to hold our gifts like our, our certain talents that's cool like if we can create fire like don't burn the house down with the fire you know that's so cool if you if you can create ice don't be a cold-hearted bitch you know that type of that's like really what i learn at these little sessions there's like maybe like 15 of us rigo knows chris dorderici yeah uh, yeah and uh, they, we have these just little like intense sessions where he has a drawing board and he writes the sermon down and he writes these things that he talks about and he gets like uh, it's just a great time and it's only like like i said like 15 20 people and we're not trying we don't advertise there's nothing like that it's just like it is what it is that's so cool so we'll that sounds him, awesome yeah we'll have him on and a few other people and uh 
anyway, I guess we'll wrap it up yeah, so people can get to up. their life. And um, well, thank you guys for listening. I'm Johnny. I'm Tori. And we'll be back next time on Are We Where Yet?